Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. They put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't really need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safely. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. Super All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to I remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and others, we are live on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Hi, YouTube. Hello, Tube that is you. How are you, gentlemen? Awesome. So good. Very excited. What are we here for today? Why is it that all of a sudden the four of us have decided on a Sunday afternoon, early evening to convene ourselves on YouTube? Would anybody like to share with the world why it is that we are together today? Because we have nothing better to I do. I thought this was a special supercharger update. <laughs> Speaking of which, did you see that the uh, 56... Firebar. Uh, Firebar supercharger between LA and San Francisco is now open oh, in nice. all its glory. It is the largest supercharger installation in the world. Which world? The world that we currently inhabit. This world. <laughs> the known world? Do we we just call it the known world? Is that what we call it? So you can see Joel, and Joel has decided that uh, he was going to add like blue light and a floating TV screen in his background. He just was like, oh, oh, we're going live on YouTube. I better better bring my A game. Uh, Pretty soon, Joel's just going to take over the whole channel. He's got all of our passwords and stuff now, and it'll be like. Oh, yes. (laughs) uh, Yeah, we have to talk about the changes. There'll be all this. This will be like. Welcome to Talking Tesla. This What's is so sad is that his old. kids were asking if they could have new shoes because theirs have holes in them. He's like, no, no, no. i got to get some studio upgrades, kids. Uh, it's going to be upsetting. Talking Tesla with just Joel is what it'll turn yeah. into very shortly. Actually, Joel told me his kids are actually sleeping now. It's pretty early because he's had them working so hard all day. Hammers and drills. It's a great yeah, they're almost done. Hopefully you don't hear they're the construction. almost done. <laughs> Awesome. So I have a quick question. Please. So the NASA live feed has been ongoing since uh, probably for over two hours now. And they were talking about the items such as this guy right here that they've sent up in the Crew Dragons, right? Do you remember this one? Mm-hmm. That, that was from Crew Dragon number one. Oh, Joel, he's there. Joel, you guys are, you guys are so kicks. You guys are so Bring nerdy. Bring in the A game. That's it. <laughs> so, so nerdy. So nerdy. If somebody can uh, tell us what that, what the name is of that, we have something from Mark we can give away. That's right. We have a wonderful, very cool emblem that you can put on the back of your car. Although I think they'll probably spontaneously combust if you put them on anything but a Tesla. But Mark at RPM Tesla has these really nice aluminum SpaceX emblems that you can adhere onto the back of your trunk. They come in either silver or black and they're made of aluminum. And he has graciously given us some to, to give away today. So what was that question, Joel? What's the name of that uh, creature stuffed thing that you 
gentlemen have? What is it? What is it called? <laughs> yes, and and what is its significance? Well, it's the Earth, is it not? Well, no, but it, what was it used for during? Now, the I thought the guy had a dinosaur with him. I didn't think he had an Ooh. Earth. Mm-hmm. Well, that's close. the second giveaway. That's the second giveaway. So, you, we want Sorry. people to drop a uh, a tweet on the Talking Tesla Twitter account and give us your reply, and the first person to do it gets. I'm trying to pull it up right now. And that's at Talking Tesla on Twitter. That's Correct. right. Yeah. I guess it kind of it goes against anybody who doesn't do Twitter. Actually, actually, I have another. I have I have actually a second question for the for the audience if we could find because I cannot find this information and I, it, this question popped into my head today and maybe somebody out there can know. So f- for the second SpaceX emblem, tweet at us. What are the total number of space launches in the history of the Earth? Wow. And you can make up a number because we don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Well, we're going to try to find that answer. Oh, that's a good Uh, one. But, and we're not talking, and I'm not talking about like ICBM tests for nuclear weapons. I'm talking about actual like going into space launches. And and they could be failed launches as well. They could be attempts. So total number of launches. Good on you, Tom. Total number of attempts. You mean like including like exploding 15 minutes to lift off. All of it. All of it. All of it, Robert. But I'm because don't aren't you curious how many times like man has attempted Hundreds. to leave? It's thousands, actually. Yeah. It's thousands. Well, but if you go but to I can't 11, find the number. I, I'm really I'm desperately trying to find the number, and um, <laughs> I cannot. All right. Crazy. Well, I'll tell you this: How many minutes is it for the Crew One Dragon to get to orbit? Today, so from launch at 4.27 Pacific time, how many minutes will it be for the Crew Dragon to get to orbit? This is not to give away one of these cool SpaceX emblems and uh, and NASA stickers from Mark. This is just to make you guys look st- foolish. I'm going to say into orbit, into actual, like, we're, we're stabilized and we're yeah. in orbit. Oh, stable yeah. orbit. Not to the space station. Yeah. That one, I can give you another one. 42 minutes. Okay. Joel? I'll say 35. Joel? I'll say 35? 35 minutes. A little less, but but that's a good question. Oh, crud. I bet you had that up somewhere. Mel? Uh, until I get to orbit or until I get to the space station? No, orbit. Stable orbit. Pay attention, Mel. It's not that hard. It's Sorry, one was, question. It's English. I've got like 17 things open here. I'm going to say it's going to be... Uh, 23 minutes and 23 hours to get to the space station. Well, okay. that It is a long time to get to the docking of the space station. That's a, again, that wasn't the question. We, we it were doesn't only... matter. I gave you a an answer that I knew, okay? It's fundamental to <laughs> do these things, Tom. Do not answer the question you don't know. Give an answer that you do know. It's basic. Please. Oh, God, this is great. I'm going to send out a tweet that says we're already arguing and we just started the show like <laughs> nine minutes ago. Oh, speaking of tricksters, Tom, Tom is buying a new Model Y. Do you know why? I'll tell you why. We had a little bet. We have a little golf group. We have a little bet. And oh. I foolishly said, let's have a bet between us. Uh, pick a golfer. 
And if you get the right golfer that wins, the rest of us will give you $20. There's 18,000 people in this golf group. Tom won. He's what? walking away with, I don't know what it is, 18,000 times $20. That's not, that's, that, the, the, most of that is accurate, except for the 18,000 people. I think it was six. Oh. Seven total. <laughs> oh, seven sorry. total. So I think six I can people do that, are supposed to pay me $20 each. However, here's, here's a question for you, gentlemen. And this was a piece of math that I did not have the ability to try to explain to Mel over, over text. But yesterday, my golfer was winning handily. And Mel wanted to what most people would refer to as a double or nothing bet, but Mel wanted to make it a double or I pay him more money bet, which like I yes. didn't get the math of. And so I didn't accept it. So instead of so right now, yesterday, Mel would have owed me $20. And then he made this double down bet where it was like, if my guy actually doesn't choke, I would get $40, and if my guy choked, I would have to give him 20 So it wasn't double or nothing. It was double, and so I said no because <laughs> it was just going to be too difficult to try to explain to him how his math was wrong. But maybe look, seeing the look on his face, I'm starting to feel like he actually did know, and he was trying to sucker me into some I was trying of- to sucker you, but you could have had 40 of my dollars, and you got – I Still could have. Me. I actually really <laughs> wish what I really wish what we would have done at the start of it was pick a golfer and it's twenty dollars per person if for for if your guy does if the guy doesn't win, if no none of our picks oh, won and was just the high finisher, and if you pick the winner, it was double. That would have been cool. Can we get so back to I space? Did, I did yeah. pick the winner. Okay. Hey <laughs> Robert. There you can talk about space all you want, but we are talking about the Masters tournament, which is Way more important. Way more important. It's true. Everybody knows. Well, at least it's one game that it, so it's going on. T- ten minutes. Yeah, ten minutes. Ten minutes to launch. So who's on this? Who's on this? Who's the crew here, folks? Like, let's let's talk about the crew here. Well, I wanted to share what I'm drinking. I had two beers, and I I picked this beer. It is um, called Mars Express, mm-hmm. and it's a uh, American Pale Ale. So I'll be drinking this well. All right. Wow. Mars Express. I'm drinking uh, something that is on Mars, but it... Oh, sh... <laughs> I just poured it on my laptop. <laughs> Ooh, on your laptop? <laughs> yeah. With this show is going to be... Awesome. And now he's running it off of his laptop. <laughs> wow. Very, very oh. nice. What were you drinking before Continue the water? On. A salt water, <laughs> apparently. He said it, so was, the question, it was a liquid that was on Mars. The question that I asked was, who's on this flight? So I guess I'll read the document. Oh. And I tried to give you guys some help, but for whatever reason, Joel answered, who's in this crew with, this is the beer I'm drinking. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not, and that's because it's his third beer and he just doesn't care what I say anymore. Oh, it's actually Robert, pretty good is now holding up his beverage and showing and he's drinking rye from Sierra Distilling not is it Sierra Distilling no it's not it's granite granite distilling granite actually distillery this is this is not quite as, as high end a rye but it is a Manhattan and just so people aren't left hanging it's going to take them 12 minutes to get to orbit i know you guys have short attention Whoa. spans 12 Did I win? minutes to get to Did orbit I, oh, I was the closest yeah, I win so, nothing. So Did you say twenty three hours. 
So no, he said take, 23 minutes. The next question was I how said long, 23 minutes, didn't I? No, I said 40 minutes. I don't know. The next question was going to be how long is it going to take them to dock? So from the time they reach orbit, 12 minutes after they, they lift off, how many? How long will it take until they dock with the International Space Station? I already told you. You're wrong. 23 hours. You're wrong. Ooh, you're wrong. Shit, that's never happened before. <laughs> it's 23 Today. hours, but still, it's a long time. And you know what's really interesting is if they had a, you said, tw I'm sorry, 27 hours, I said. Okay. 27 hours, but. You didn't say had, 27 hours, actually. You said 23 hours. Just for the I record. still got Mel stuck in the back of my brain, which I do most <laughs> all the time. And so the interesting thing is if they had launched when they originally were going to launch, I think that was yesterday, right? They were going to take only eight hours to oh, get right. to the space station. So it's really interesting. Oh. And it turns out that the Russians don't go through most of the like safety, uh, safety steps and they take a very different approach. They get there in like three hours. It's kind of yeah. interesting. This was going to be the first one that was going to get there in under 24 hours, but obviously it didn't work out. So now they're back to the longer. You can actually get to the space station apparently in 12 minutes. It's just that uh, once you get there, it's <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be careful. Nice. Wow. <laughs> wow. Four, four, uh, four humans at the top of this rocket right now. <laughs> are they listening to the show, do you think? No, they probably are busy. Although, okay, so I don't know if you guys can see the photo, the live. If you're watching the live feed, you can see sort of down the line of the astronauts. I don't, it looks like you can see three of them. I'm not sure you can see all four of them from this shot. Yeah, I only can see three. But one yeah, of them, one of them was asked to get off actually one because of them, he broke wind and in and, that. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe do. it's the camera angle, but like, doesn't one of them look much shorter than the other? Like the 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 helmet <laughs> is way down on the other situation. They're what in kind different of, situations. So the two, the pilot and the captain, sit higher up behind the touch screens, and the two other astronauts are sitting a little bit below them and behind them. Look at that. Robert had an actual answer to that. That's good. That's, that's very nicely done, Robert. Thank and you. the ones behind say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> like, what's the Wi-Fi password on this thing? So here's a question. Since I already talked about the Little Earth pillow that served as the, the zero gravity indicator on the first non-human uh, demo launch... They have a new one on this launch, and we don't know what it is. Everybody's guessing, guessing, guessing. I haven't been watching the Twitter feed on this, but what would you use? If you were going up to the space station, Tom, what would be your zero gravity indicator? In other words, it can't be like really sharp, because if it starts floating around and it's sharp, that wouldn't be so good. And it couldn't be really heavy, because again, a lot of inertia costs a lot of money to take this thing up into space. What would you... What would you pick? I would bring Eeyore. Eeyore? A stuffed Eeyore. Because as a child, I really had, I had this wonderful stuffed Eeyore doll, and he was a very, he was a very close yeah, friend of we mine. Were, we were in the same era. He was a very close too. friend of mine. I had one too, I Tom. That would have been my four pick. minutes. 
Yeah, we have and, uh, four um, minutes to launch. I don't know if you're like me, but I find SpaceX launches super fun, very exciting. But I hate them when they have humans in them because the whole time I'm like, don't blow up, don't blow up, don't blow up, don't blow up. It's, I just find it very nerve-wracking. Yeah. Yes. Are we, uh, are we, are we landing uh, this, uh, this first stage yeah. this evening? In the ocean. We, in the ocean. On, which, um, uh, which, which one of the ships will it be out on? It's uh, T-O-L-C. Oh, we don't obviously know. Yeah, we no don't fairing. Know. We're looking it up. No fairing will be recovered because there is no fairing. It's a uh, dragon capsule. <laughs> Hopefully, it won't be recovered. The fairing. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll make it all the way there. How long are they going up for? Anybody know? Six months. Six it's months. First, yeah, it's the first uh, long, what? long uh, term mission that uh, NASA is launching with SpaceX. And that NASA has actually contracted for six of these with SpaceX. Wow. So we're looking at every six months for three years, SpaceX is going to do this again. Which is so is this, uh, is this capsule staying up with them and, or is somebody coming down in it? I think it's staying. I don't know. I think it's going to stay up because there's somebody up. Yeah, there's one person there's one up person there. There's one person up there. Just but, one? There's somebody in there by themselves? Well, there's usually mm-hmm. two or three Russians, and there's one from the NASA slash European oh, International so there, Space So there are multiple people up there. You were, just not, you were just not counting Russians for whatever reason. No, there's just one person there right now. There's literally just no, one I think person on this. There's, there's both. Uh, there's one Russian and one American, although I have no idea oh. who it is, but maybe somebody in the audience can okay. tell us. This show is serious lack of information. I know. You I know, don't know what? Why anybody is, if you're watching we're this trying. show, find another one to watch. Hey, uh, we're, we're one minute, 51 right. seconds. Should I share the, uh, the screen yeah. and just show the launch? Yeah, actually let's wait till one minute. Go to one minute because that's okay. a long time to not see our wonderful faces. Unless you feel like you're going to have some oh, technical no. issues to, with sharing go it. Go to it. Go to it. Oh, Robert says go to it. So there's a because nice shot right there, which shows the what Robert was talking. Stop it. Which shows what Robert was talking about with the two uh, pilot slash commanders a little more forward and the the other two astronauts a little more backwards. Wow! Um, Look at all that condensation. Very, yeah, very good. exciting. Night launches, very, very powerful to watch a night launch uh, because you get to see a lot more of the trail as it goes up. So it should be should be very exciting. Don't you gentlemen wish you were just right there? Oh, yeah. No, this is – I would it, rather be here with you. It's it's a fun show, though, you have to admit. It's more just, um, you know, if you go a couple days and it gets pushed back and pushed back, it's not as fun, but it's still pretty great. Yeah. I've never seen an actual space launch. I've seen only one space thing happen in my life, and it was the test of a main shuttle engine up here in Chatsworth. It was the most incredible thing I have ever been a part of. Okay. Got 30 seconds left. 30 seconds. Look at that. They added the big numbers this time. That's pretty cool. On the flight, there's parents of um, the two two dads, and there's six children amongst those two. Um, and it appears that Shannon Walker and, um, the JAXA astronaut, uh, don't have any children, but. Hey, here we go. 20. Oh, no, I'm, my, my feed's there different. We, we have yours. ignition. 
We have ignition. We have ignition. Lift. Oh, we, we have, have lift, lift off. off. What? There we go. Very cool. All Look right. At that. Look at that night shot. Oh man, what a beautiful candle in the sky. We can't hear Amazing. them though, right? So we don't know if they're saying anything nominal. We like those nominal things when it comes to space. Yeah, flight. I can hear them. This it's, everything's nominal. They're already doing six hundred kilometers an hour. Whew. They're moving. Nice. So the biggest the biggest one for me is Miko. Um which mm -hmm. uh, Miko is coming up pretty quickly. Well was it Touch and Go? Max Q. Isn't that where you usually explode? Uh, I'm sorry, Max Q, excuse me. Yeah. And, they and both not. happen right close together. This is an interesting feed. It doesn't have the SpaceX like circular timeline at the bottom. Yeah, that they normally is this, have. Is this, so is at this max. a NASA? Is this a NASA feed? Because it's yeah, a crew it mission. There we go. NASA's max Q. There we go. The maximum pressure on the vehicle, as they say. That's at fifteen hundred kilometers an hour. What? Yeah, it's pretty fast. Very cool. Look at that. Lovely. Amazing. All right. Very good, SpaceX. High five. So, it's great. And just a short 26.59 hour minutes from now, 26 hours and 59 minutes, they'll uh, get to the uh, to the station. Have you guys ever played with the uh, the SpaceX? They have a thing where you can practice docking to the space station. That thing is you use like keyboard vote, commands and stuff. I vote that you do the docking. Very challenging. <laughs> I, vo I vote that I don't do the docking. That's a beautiful shot. I love this one down, right down the line of the of the thing, so you can see all those beautiful engines firing, those Merlin engines. And do we know why oh, the plume kerosene. of um, fire, or the you know the the plume gets bigger? Do we know why it does? Because uh, I would assume less atmospheric pressure on it. Ooh, Mel. Shwing. It makes sense to me. It's like, yeah, it gets big because it's not getting crushed by atmospheric pressure. Right, and so at some point, there's uh, main separation. Cut off right we now, separation. we have separation. It's more efficient to use to actually get rid of the booster and then go to the the single engine. But this one is designed for, you know, basically the vacuum of space. Vacuum, and so it's much wider, and it can take advantage of um, of the energy uh, a little bit more uh, of the engine. Mm -hmm. And on the left-hand side now, we see the booster starting to make its way back. Interesting, the lights down below it. I think those are, like, Florida? Florida, yeah. Probably. Yeah. And so you see this, uh, the glow of the of the single engine with the giant bell around it. And, and what you're seeing is kind of a sheath around the engine that they can, they move that ever so slightly. And that's how they maneuver the spacecraft at this point, by, by just moving that outer bell a little bit left and right, up and down, and they can, can control the spaceship. But this is always very, very exciting stuff. So we're we're about uh, nine, eight minutes away from uh, orbital insertion, as they would say in the business. So, so Robert, that number that you got, that was when the velocity of the second stage and, and these uh, five astronauts. Four. That's when it gets to... 
orbital velocity, essentially. The time it takes to dock with the space station or the first? No, no, the 14-minute number that you had. 12 minutes to orbit, yeah, to a stable orbit, and it's that orbit they're going to slowly work to catch up with this, the, the ISS. Okay. And this is where they're matching centripetal force with gravitational force. So you've got to be going spinning around fast enough to be offsetting the gravitational force, which is pulling you in, which was a fundamental misunderstanding I had until like last year. I thought you get far enough away from the Earth and there's not much um, gravity anymore. But of course, at these levels, there's plenty of gravity. So that's why you've got to get this centripetal force going. Yeah, it's still about um, 90%, 90, right. 90 something percent, um, the same gravity, but basically, the ship's falling, and so when you're in a ship that's falling, instead of things falling to the floor, you just sort of move with the ship, and so you don't, you don't fall. All right, so I have a factoid for you, Tom. I know you were asking okay. about how many uh, launches or launch attempts have there been from Earth. Mm -hmm. I guess that would be from Earth, not including the moon, because there was one or two or actually six launches from the moon. Oh, yes, I believe I asked. I believe I said wow. Earth. But okay. Yes. So I know that for a fact, SpaceX has been to the International Space Station 22 times. Nice. This will be number 23. Really? This is that the 102nd like successful, well, so far, successful completed flight. Knock on wood. Yeah, sorry. And um, there's been 99 uh, Falcon 9 missions. So I guess missions in this case are where you're putting a, a payload up to space. And um, with the booster landing, this would be the 65th. And that should be landing soon. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird because this is where I don't really care as much about the landing. Whereas everything else, even the, the Starlinks... I'm just I just as, I care just as much about the uh, the landing as I do about the uh, the satellites getting properly launched. And the reason you don't care about the landing is because there's human beings attached to this particular situation that's happening. So it does seem somewhat anticlimactic. Was this a was this an all new vehicle or was this a reused vehicle? Do we know the answer to that question? Yeah, this is new. Uh, the reused. I think it was Crew Two that they said they could use a reused booster. Um, okay. And then I think as well, they gave them permission, uh, NASA gave SpaceX permission to even reuse the, uh, the, the Crew Dragon, but I don't know when that's coming, coming about. So we haven't talked about the astronauts at all yet. Tom, no, we haven't. I mean, I only asked about it a half an hour ago. Okay, Tom, why don't you start, it, start us off? <laughs> no, I, I, I mean... <laughs> okay, I guess I will. So we have Michael S. Hopkins, who's a NASA astronaut. Uh, they have two, he has two sons with Julie Stutz of Peoria, Illinois. He has a master's of science in aerospace engineering from Stanford University. University. Nice. Very, very impressive. And then we have Victor J. Glover. Uh, he's married to Diana Odom, Diona Odom. They have four children. He has a Master of Military Operational Art and Science. Military Operational Art and Science. Interesting. Uh, and he's Air, Denny Glover's brother. From that's in <laughs> that's incorrect. From Air University in Montgomery, Alabama. Then we have Shannon Walker. 
who has a doctorate of philosophy in space physics from Rice University in 92, and this document says in 92 and 93. So does that two, do, two different, a doctorate in philosophy and a doctorate in space physics? And is that what I'm reading? Or I didn't put this together. So I have Yeah, no that was idea. me. Very so. helpful. Uh, She's also a Texas Ranger, by the way. I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that's true. Just Walker, not everybody with Walker, the last Texas name Walker Ranger. is. So a she Texas got a master's Ranger. in science Texas. in ninety in ninety two, and then she got the doctorate. Um, okay. In ninety three. So Joel, you put together some incorrect information. Oh, there's a picture of the uh, SpaceX uh, in Hawthorne. We have some clapping happening in in the background. Guess which uh, COVID-containing board member and engineer is not there? I don't yes. know, but there's Elon right there in the middle. Elon's got COVID. He shouldn't be there. Is that not Elon right there in the middle in the blue shirt? Maybe it isn't. But oh, yes, we're going to have a landing here. Here we go. All right. Here we nice. go. And oh, good. They bolted very, down the camera. A little bit. Yeah, CGI is still working. And Great CGI as always. We have success. Have you guys noticed how much, how often this thing is freaking dead center in the center. middle of that circle? It is very, actually, very nice. So that never gets old for me. I'm not going to no, lie. I, I think book. landing the stage is just an incredible feat. That is basically an amazing thing that no other space agency has ever done. And that and and SpaceX now has done it how many times? It's ridiculous. Yeah. What did so we say sixty something? What's ridiculous. what's interesting too is and now we can see the configuration of the astronauts there, so that's why we could only see three. Mm-hmm. What um what they'd like to do for Starship is uh for the booster, so heavy what is it called? Starship heavy. Uh they, they want to actually land it without legs, and it sounds like the original plan was to land it on a ring, and then the ring captures a, the the booster. So because mm-hmm. he thinks they think they can be super accurate with it, they won't need legs, and they'll land it. Or they're hoping to land it right right where it's supposed to go. And it, I mean, it does look like they nail the landing almost all the time. Yeah, they are they are nailing it. So uh, Doctor Walker Shannon Walker, she was the flight engineer of a Russian Soyuz spacecraft on June fifteenth, twenty ten, that also docked with the ISS, and she served as a flight engineer for a long duration mission. She's she was on the Soyuz again. She served as the pilot during the undock and landing, which occurred November twenty fifth, twenty ten. So from June, July, August, September, October, November. So about six months. She's already been on uh, the space station for about six months. Lasted one hundred and sixty one days that time. And then the last ax- astronaut, and I hopefully I can say this correctly, is Soichi Naguchi, who's a JAXA very good JAXA astronaut with a master's degree in aeronautical engineering, a doctorate in philosophy all from the University of Tokyo. And he, in December 2009, so almost 11 years ago, uh, performed duties as the first left-seater for a Soyuz spacecraft, launched to the ISS 
aboard Soyuz TMA-17 from Kazakhstan, from the Cosmodrome. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think there's anything cooler than calling something a Cosmodrome. I think we really missed the boat by not calling our, our astronauts cosmonauts because it just sounds cooler, in my personal opinion. And he also spent 161 days aboard the ISS as a flight engineer and returned to Earth in June 2010. So pretty cool. So they just, I just detached something large. Yeah. So stage, uh, the second stage just det- just detached from the crew module. So now it's so. only the module in has been. I guess at this point that means the module has been inserted into orbit because we're about twelve minutes and fifty one seconds into flight here. Right, and you'll see that the velocity is about twenty seven thousand kilometers per hour, and remember that the space the the ISS. It rotates or, or circles the Earth at about 17,000 miles an hour, which is like 28,000 kilometers an hour. So, you know, they're right up about that speed. And my understanding is that they're going to raise their orbit underneath the, the ISS to approach it. And uh, as they go away, like you would if you, like if you were swinging a, you know, something around you on a string and going around, and if you let the string out, it moves mm-hmm. faster. That makes sense? Yep. So you're yeah. swinging something out with a string, and you let out mm-hmm. a little more string, it's actually going faster. And that's what they're doing. Yeah. They're going to kind of like corkscrew their way in their orbit out further, further, further until they match the ISS velocity. Like and, a figure uh, skater. In their position. Yeah. I mean, there's still, for sure, a lot of things that can go wrong before they do manage to dock with the space station. But so far, I would say this is looking really picture- good. Picture perfect launch, picture perfect first stage separation, picture perfect second stage separation. They're obviously inserted likely into the proper orbit, even though I can't hear them. And uh, they're just going to go about their business. Probably, I mean, how much Netflix can you watch in 27 hours, honestly, while you're on your way to the space station? Because they have to be able to do something, right? The first thing they're going to do is they're going to actually take a nap now. So they're going to just kind of get things little situated and then they're going to take off their helmets when they get the okay and then they're going to get out of their suits which all that takes some time see the mirror on his uh, wrist that's kind of interesting i will tell you one thing there is no possible way there would be enough uh time between 12 minutes ago and now for me to be like i think it's kind of nappy time <laughs> that <laughs> seems that like the, the amount of up. adrenaline going through my body would basically be like nope uh, there'll be no sleeping for the next few hours here i agree that's a sweet so, jacket does anybody know here's a question for you gentlemen so they're are they're gonna you're saying they're gonna get out of their suits basically and they're just gonna be in their civilian clothing whatever it is you wear under your spacesuit <laughs> Mel maybe knows because he has a very famous spacesuit joke but I, I have no idea what to wear <laughs> but but do, does anybody know how these guys go to the restroom in the next 27 hours in this capsule is that something that they talk about uh, and, and we with know, great we skill any? I think is the answer to that information about that <laughs> or because i because i would assume that's kind of built into the suit and once they take the suit off that that kind of ability maybe goes away so for demo one they they um they had about a similar amount of time i think it was like 25 hours or so and uh-huh. there there were times when they um we can't hear the audio but they'd say okay yeah we're going to turn off our our cameras inside and we're mm-hmm. going to be doing and they kind of knew what they're going to be doing and 
they either change for bedtime or go to the bathroom or something. And mm-hmm. so it's going to, you know, at some point, you know, I guess they've been up there for a while, right? What was it? Over two hours they were in the in the capsule. So I figure you probably have to go to the bathroom at some point. Yes. Yeah. Like I would have said, I would have, I would have had to have gone to the bathroom right about nine, <laughs> eight, <laughs> seven, <laughs> six. There would have probably been some, some excavating. A flushing at that. sound from your, <laughs> your suit's flushing. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, sorry guys. Sorry guys. I, I just had to go real quick. Can we just hold the launch for a second? My understanding yeah, is that in the spacesuit that they're wearing during the launch cycle, there's they're in mm-hmm. diapers. Mm. Which is good for urine, liquid waste, but not for solid waste. No. Then, otherwise they use a lot of bags. How many people and- watching this wish they were just listening to these three <laughs> ladies talk I know. about Mel, intelligent can you, can you things turn up the sound? That they know. Uh, I, I have no idea what they're saying, but I bet you they're saying interesting things not about astronauts going to the bathroom. Well, let me let me. Oh, yeah. ask, I put did we find did we find out what the zero gravity uh, indicator was? That was one of my questions. There, we talked uh, about the little Earth and the uh, the second, which I don't know. Did anybody send us a tweet? Yeah, let me I look. I did not see a tweet. Oh, so now they're going through. They're showing the astronauts getting uh, ready before the launch of this bad boy in their lovely spacesuits and their custom-made chairs. There's Shannon right there. Look very cool. Yep, there's Shannon. Yeah, she's pretty so badass. Itchy. They've, all, so they've all been on the space station at least once. Uh, I think it's Shannon and no- Noguchi have been on it twice. Or maybe it's they've all been on it. They, they, um Everybody but Glover has been up there. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I didn't see any time for him. Yeah, I think it was twice or three times. But you only put two peoples having been on the space station in your in your dock here. What dock are you guys talking about? Talking Uh, Tesla one eighty seven. Oh, yep. Okay, it's down in the SpaceX section. Also known as TT TT one eighty seven. I love that they're taking Model X's out to uh, the pad. So great! I can't wait till they take the cyber trucks. But yes, yeah, that'll be so cool. (laughs) And the ninja suits are pretty sweet as well. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Isn't that cool? It's like you got a number on your back. Yeah, these guys and gals. Interesting. I think help them in. I think I just watched Glover. So Glover obviously is in the is in the Air Force, and he's a he's a test pilot. Yeah. I believe he he may fly the the Raptor. I, I was watching a YouTube video recently, and he was giving I believe it was him. He was giving a talk at MIT, and so this guy has flown three Glover uh, astronaut Victor Glover. I guess we'll use his entire name because that probably seems more respectful. Has accumulated over three thousand flight hours in more than forty different aircraft, and and had 400 carrier arrested landings and flew 24 combat missions. Nice. That is very, very impressive work by that young man. Yeah, that's why uh, he's my first pick for docking with the space station. Tom, you're my second pick. Yeah, let's go with him. He seems like probably the better. <laughs> he seems like probably the better, the better move there. So I'm glad to see you guys have a lot of snacks like piled up around you because... 
I'm just so impressed. I, I know I said I couldn't do it, but I was so impressed that the last, you three guys are going to stay on for 27 hours until the actual <laughs> SpaceX docks, the Crew Dragon docks. That's amazing. I don't have amazing. any, I don't have any snacks and there's, and if I sit here for 27 hours, uh, well, <laughs> it's going to be some restroom problems You're for gonna sure. Need what? Diaper. You don't have your diapers on? No. So, so and is Michael, there any other parts to the show or are we done? I was going to say, uh, well, I wanted to talk about Michael Hopkins, uh, the, one of the other okay. astronauts who's, who's a colonel. In Anthony the US. Hopkins' son, actually. He's a colonel, colonel in the U.S. Air Force who has logged 166 days in space total. Um, and he did, he's actually, oh, so he's conducted spacewalks. How many hours has astronaut Hopkins uh, been on spacewalks? Any, any guesses, gentlemen? Anyone? 14. Anyone else? 20. No. 100 hours. One. 12 <laughs> hours and 58 minutes. And he did that to change out what is being referred to as a degraded pump module. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Aerospace Engineering from the University of Illinois. And like I said, a Master's of Science in Aerospace Engineering from Stanford University. Pretty darn he was, in 2008, selected as a special assistant to the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, where he worked until he started his astronaut training, where he was, he started his astronaut training in July of 2009. Wow. Impressive. So I know that uh, we're all kind of focused on space right now, and it is yeah. really amazing. It's, it's amazing to consider what it would be like to get into that rocket and to blast up to the space station and be up in the space station and see the Earth below you and think about all of the psychology and the, um, the awe of it. So I'm going to recommend a book that was once my media pick on Talking Tesla and its Endurance by Scott Kelly. And it's one of the best space books that I have read because it really gives like the personal uh, gritty uh, sensation, like, you know, like, realization of like, what the F have I gotten myself into? And like the challenges and the difficulties when he came back from a year in space. I mean, he was up there, I think he set the record and he, you'll remember, has a brother who just got elected to the, the Senate. Was it the Senate in Arizona? His twin brother, they're identical yep. twins. They're both astronauts. His brother stayed on Earth while he was in space. Scott Kelly stayed in space, went to space. And then they were both the study uh, subjects of a twins study to see what happens to the body in many aspects uh, from prolonged travel in space. So uh, just really fascinating book, Endurance by Scott Kelly. So I'll throw in a media pick there. That's your media pick? And the results of that study were very disturbing. Tell us. Do you know, know they... They found significant damage to his DNA, and uh, it's a bit concerning. And so it's about like shielding and um, long travel in space is not necessarily good for you. Um, so I don't, I don't want to be in space for a long time without like gold bond over the top of me and stuff over my head and wrap me in cellophane and stuff because cosmic rays are bad. 
Is that, bad. Do they know, was it the cosmic radiation that was causing the deformity or whatever problems in his DNA changes? Is that what the deal was? Yeah, I assume so. It's just because you don't have the magnetic layer and then you don't have all of the, you know, atmosphere. And so up there, you're really quite exposed. And I'm sure that the the um, housing of the space station is probably like, you know, half an inch, quarter of an inch, eighth of an inch thick. Maybe they put a lot of stuff in there, lead line it or something. Yeah, got to. It, has, it has actually is quite thin. In fact, there was a time when there was a leak in the Russian module. They talk about it, I think in this book or maybe another book that I read, where there was a leak. It set off alarms and uh, nobody admitted to it, but it was seemed like maybe somebody was doing a little repair work and a drill went a little like off and punctured a hole in the space station. And you would think yeah. that's a terrible thing, but evidently it's just like having a leak in your ceiling. They used some epoxy-like Bondo device and just plugged it up. And then they used like a, uh, a, I think it was a metal or a fabric-type patch over it that just fixed it. So it's like not impossible. Sorry about that. It's not impossible in space. It's not like in the movies where if there's a little hole and then all of a sudden the whole thing blows up. That's disingenuine to uh, what really happens in space. I just fact-checked myself, and um, apparently that is a uh, this significant amount of DNA damage is actually not true. Uh, so they found that there were some changes to his chromosomes, there was some lengthening of the chromosome stuff, but there wasn't widespread DNA damage as has been reported. So that's, that's good. good. I'm glad he's not going to turn into a monster that comes. So across. you're uh, so you're you're back in the space game. So you're, you're <laughs> I'm back you're, in. So you're willing to go up there. So the, the space station is fairly thin, but what they've learned is they can use uh, multiple layers of materials and the sort of high energy particles that um, that hit the station um, by using a so it's not a laminate, but it's multiple layers tends to stop high energy materials from coming all the way through and then you know hitting people or things inside the inside the station but once you get further further out it gets most dangerous so when you go to to the moon or mars then you start to deal with uh you know more nasty stuff but even still though there were there were issues for sure yeah they say um, this is in the verge where they're reporting that uh, they they did show that weird things were happening with his chromosomes and stuff, but within a relatively short time of returning from Earth, they had plasticity and basically went back to look like what his brother's chromosomes were looking like. So oh, that's good news. You know, I think I've t said this before, I used to do research for NASA back uh, in the undergraduate days. I didn't go into space. But you are a space case. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of space up here. Yeah, you're sort of like a space cadet in some ways. Yeah, that's right. Hasn't quite made it yet. <laughs> very good, very good. So do you, uh, is this live feed happening on SpaceX's website for the next 24 hours, or are they coming no, back they online? Just shut it, they, just, they just shut it down for now, and they're going to get back to us later, they say. Because so. it's time for the poos and the wheeze. Time for sleep, poos and wheeze, and sleepy times. Do we know what like what kind of food are they? What kind of food are they eating in the Crew Dragon? Like what kind of what, what's their space? What food. are the, what are their days like? Are they having astronaut ice cream? Like what go? Like are they playing like games of ping pong with things floating in the air? Like what's going on up there? Who knows? They're doing a lot of research. 
They've got a lot of things to do. But not in the next 27 hours they're not doing no, any No, in the next research. 27 hours. You said, did you see the size of those screens? They're Netflixing <laughs> the crap out of this thing. They're watching every Star Trek episode from the beginning. It's fantastic. Okay, that's a question for that's a question for you gentlemen. Let's say you're in this thing for 27 hours and they're like, "Okay, you got to pick a couple of shows." Like, what shows are you picking? Are you picking something you've watched that you know you're going to like? No. Or are you picking something that you've never seen? Joel? I'm watching this. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, I'm going with uh, my first one is Aliens. Oh, hell no. Hell no. Hell no. There's something wrong with you, Joel. You might be broke. You might be broken. I'm just saying. That is the last thing I am watching in space. If I'm watching if I'm watching aliens in space, the next thing I'm doing is where's the eject or uh, get the hell out of here button? That is not happening. That's right. one way to freak out your co-astronauts, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So who who's next? Mel Melvis. Um, oh, definitely The Queen's Gambit. I'd like to watch that again, so I'll knock that off. I would watch Star Trek, the original series, because I love it. And um, I think that that series was so important in the history of spaceflight. If you listen to Elon Musk and so many astronauts and engineers and people that have worked on sort of space, they were inspired by that show. Like, hell yeah, I want to go into space. And um it was just really ahead of its time. It only lasted for three seasons, but it really had an effect on generations of people. I can't believe that it was only three seasons. It's just, I mean, it's a, yeah. such an impact for three seasons. And how many other shows came after it with only three seasons? And it was also really inspirational, I know, for a lot of minority kids, because here's there were black people, there were Asian people, there were women, and they were in charge, and they're flying this space ship. And so you hear people talk about that um, all the time, about like, oh, I saw myself in space in the future, and it was very inspiring. So I just thought it had an amazing impact. It was um, even a Russian. Kirk was the best. There was a Russian. They yeah, should have was. brought a. They should have brought a Tribble with them as the anti-gravity floaty thing. Yeah, there well, you maybe go. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. A Tribble would be amazing if they did that. <laughs> that would have been funny. People would go crazy. <laughs> the Trouble with Tribbles. That was one of the best ones. That freaked me out as a kid watching that. Like they won't stop crowing. It's terrible. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I can't believe it was three. Only three. Three years. Three seasons. Three seasons. I, I guess I. I must have known that, but like. Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, this other one that they're doing now. Um, Enterprise. Yeah. Oh, Enterprise 2, which I never really saw. So, yeah. Maybe you could watch Enterprise while you're up there instead of uh, first season. So, okay. Here's a, here's, since we're on the Star Trek thing, favorite Star Trek movie? <gasps> the first one. Yeah, I'm a Wrath of Khan all day long. Wrath of Khan, original I'm, I'm, Wrath of Khan. I'm, a, I'm the first one because I was 14 and I saw it in London in a theater and I just thought it was amazing that Voyager came back after going all the way out and it was found by aliens and was sent back and it was. I just thought it was, whoa. Yeah, Viger, he called himself. Viger. Viger, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I like that one a lot too and – was that the first? That was the first one, right? So <laughs> that was just like, oh wow, you know, yeah. That scene, I remember watching that scene with my sister as as he's lowering that creature into Chekhov's ear, and 
I think she turned white and passed out. It was so <laughs> that was memorable. Funny. That was so memorable. This is a great show because there's two separate conversations happening at the same time, which is great. <laughs> Mel, and, Mel and Joel are talking about Star Trek One. Robert uh, doesn't realize that he's on a freaking radio show and is like p- pantomiming, putting a bug in his ear. I thought like, we were on YouTube. The only, the only saving grace is that we are actually live on YouTube, but the, yeah. the audio portion, if you're listening to the audio of this, you should stop. Because it's terrible. There's probably about two minutes of silence during the launch where we're not saying anything. I know. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, maybe we need to post this as a video, uh, Melvis, if if at all possible on iTunes. You guys, are no, we can't do that, but that's fine. Um, so, uh, yeah, what else would you bring? Uh, like, so we got the Star Trek, we got the Queen's Gambit. Uh, somebody doing Breaking Bad. I'm watching The Sopranos, so I'm like, because oh. it's nice and long. You got a lot of seasons. You can just like power through a whole bunch of Sopranos, which I, I started watching again from the beginning, mm. uh, like a week and a half ago. Fascinating show in in just the scope of all, obviously like organized crime family, but the the basis of it is that like, He's he's this mob boss and he has to go home and deal with his teenage kids <laughs> and all kinds of other like craziness that like could you imagine like Al Capone's kids talking back to him or like oh, getting yeah. drunk and and like getting themselves in trouble I, I just you just can't picture things like that but that's what the Sopranos kind of did was sort of flip that whole put thing into it the real life situation I might watch Peaky Blinders again, but then I'd end up with a oh. Cockney accent and probably drive all of my my co-cosmonauts crazy. That's pretty solid. I did just start watching Ratchet. Because you don't get enough hospital uh, in your job? Yeah, no, that's the job. hard part about it, but it doesn't look anything like a hospital. The architecture, the interior design in that show blows me away. I want the psychiatrist's office. I mean, I would live in this office. It's just... Amazing. It looks like something out of a, I don't know, 1950s, uh, like post art deco, like department store. It's crazy looking. It's amazing. Does anybody, does anybody but me, did anybody but me, now that you can see what Robert's setup is, does anybody (laughs) but me think that? It's sort of a little Shawshank Redemption thing <laughs> happening. He's got this thing on the wall, and and behind it, I just picture this giant hole that he's been digging to escape from <laughs> wherever he's at. Like, <laughs> actually, that's where the circuit breakers are. It's just ugly as oh. hell. They slapped this box with a circuit breaker and painted it white, and I thought okay. that can't be there. So I took up this. That's a manta. It's from Bolivia. I brought that back. I spent a summer in Bolivia. When I was in medical school, that's the traditional woven uh, blanket that's used for, that would be nice. carrying somebody's groceries home from the market and wrap them up in there and kind of hold it like a pouch. To talk about, let's talk about electric things for a while. Have you guys been watching a uh, long way up? No, even though my friend made it a recommendation on the show, I didn't watch it. That's your fault, though, Tom, because you were panning it. You were like, "Oh my god!" Oh yeah, yeah. You didn't like it. I got it. I got a negative. I wasn't panning it. I was. Pa- I was. I was being. I was giving you guys an honest representation of how the electrical aspect of it was working, yeah. and 
that was frustrating. Uh, but I mean, it's still a good show. That's weird. Like, I don't, I don't believe I was panning the show. I wasn't like, oh my god, the production values are terrible. It was just, it was kind of sad to see them. You know, at times have to abandon their bikes and. Uh, it's been pretty good. They're about to, they just entered Mexico in the last episode that I watched. So it's, uh, they've gotten pretty far. They had to, they had all kinds of issues, uh, with one of the bikes and had to do all kinds of shipping, but they, they ended up hiring, I can't remember where they were, but they hired an Antonov cargo, uh, airliner to bring a bunch of bikes and, and gear from one town or from one country to another, because there's this one part at the tip of South America, beginning of Central America, that you really shouldn't be in. Like, it's a very dangerous part of the of the world, apparently. And uh, and and what I learned hmm. was, uh, you you cannot fly in Antonov uh, in the in North America <laughs> or or Europe because it's a the 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 like aviation community. So, like, it's a no it's a no fly uh, airplane, but they still have them in South America. So it's uh, not a safe not a safe airline. I, I don't think that's a good story if. If they're flying, if if they can't really make the trip, essentially, you know, you don't you don't pick a trip if you can't make the trip. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, I think they ran into they ran into a lot of technical problems. So they ran into some issues with one of the Harleys, and it needed some parts, and they couldn't get the only place they could kind of that Harley Davidson could sort of guarantee they could get the parts at a certain time was when in was in Panama. You know, again, generally, like this is the first time anything like this has ever been attempted. And they attempted it not only on prototype motorcycles, but in prototype Rivians. So you got to give them a little bit of of like a break as it pertains to that. It's not like they they were like, oh, let's use Model X's that we know will have a thing like they needed to have. And I don't understand actually why they decided not to use Model X's because it's a proven platform that, you know, isn't in prototype form and mm -hmm. it can carry quite a bit of materials, but maybe they got some kind of financial support from Rivian. It's, it's hard to know like exactly oh, what was going on. I mean, on. it's, it's cool. It's, it goes to what Rivian wants to be for sure. And you, you can't, you can't sweat them for trying to do something that's ambitious. I mean, it sounds like it was very ambitious. I think 50, 50, I think, I think the trucks are doing about as good as the bikes. Like both the trucks have had some issues, mostly with charging, uh, and the bikes have had issues with. I think there was some inverter issue and and stuff like that. But but in general, like they're going to cool places, they're finding interesting things. They were on a boat recently as well, so they're doing all kinds of things. Is it is it this pure electric journey from the tip of South America back to Los Angeles? No, it is not. It's probably as pure as you can get. It probably is. Although I do wonder if if they were using petrol bikes and vehicles, if they would have still had to have done some of the things that they've had to had to do. I, I just don't. I don't know like what what part of that was based on on the like technical issues with the vehicles. You've lost your connection behind you, Joel. It's wonderful back there. Yeah, I, I'm noticing. It was showing talking test that was great. I was it really was, loving yeah, it. It was, it was good. He's he's really no like next leveling the thing behind his shoulder. Know, he's got like a whole control a center mount, in front of him. Got to mount a screen behind me. Jesus, it's not mounted. Pretty good, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> but can I can I do a media pick before we uh, end this? Yes. All yes, right, do it. So there was a uh, Kickstarter. Um, I think her name is Selena Gomez. What? And and she created a a coloring book based on Elon Musk's tweets, essentially. 
And um, I can, I'll, I'll show you if you're on, because we're, even though we're radio, um, we are also on uh, YouTube right now. Some of the things, and it's just a coloring book. I thought it might be kind of cool to send to the kids, but basically each page is paired with a tweet. Like um, the last one was Tesla Semi. That was all that was. Let's see what this one was. This. Uh, what about, what does it have for the pedo guy? <laughs> wow you had to you just you needed to say that you had to go there so i don't know if you remember that the the um the tweet where he said the mars sky is opposite of earth blue sunrise and sunset um red is is it's so it's red during the day and then the sunset in mars is blue and then so she drew a you know a representation of a sunset and there's a, a number of them but I just thought I saw her um, doing it, and it was. I just figured I'd contribute, and we'll give that to my my kids for a, a nice little book. Um, so I, obviously, I think you can still get them. Um, it's a Kickstarter. Uh, I would just Google GTS, I guess. But it's uh, Elon Musk's uh, coloring book. So I guess you uh, you don't allow your children to watch Talking Tesla. Because then they would discover what their Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa gifts are ahead of time. Right. Yeah, they're, they're downstairs. They're learning they something about you now. all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's my pick. Nice. So I don't know. I don't know if you guys are on Instagram. And this is another. It's not necessarily a, a media pick or anything, but I've been seeing this thing in my feed and they're doing like a, a GoFundMe or a, one of those whatever kind of things. Somebody's building a, a, an ice chest that will fit in the front of the Teslas. So they have one that's like the one that I've been seeing is like a half size cooler that sits in the front of the Model 3 and has like a pneumatic lid on it and have one of those thick roto wall kind of things like a Yeti style cooler that you can just so you can have an ice chest in the front of your uh, Model 3 or the front of your Model 3 as you drive around. And I'm assuming they'll have one for the Model Y and the and all the other. And I thought that's, that's actually pretty ingenious. I would pay almost um, any amount of money for that. Can you imagine like you've got your beers in one half of it, you've got your turkey sandwiches and stuff in the other and you just pull that car up pop the front boop party maybe market rpm tesla will uh, start to distribute something like that once it's made and then we can give them we can give them away on the show mark can, i'll be like robert you've won one mel herbert you've won one yeah i'm looking at the Poor mark I'm looking at the, mark uh, just has to deal with all of our crap all the time <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to find if anybody's actually sent us any tweets if we're giving away any of these things or if we I'm not sure how Twitter ourselves. works. I've been I've been on our Twitter feed and I don't know if uh, anybody's been sending us any information or anything like that. What is this poll that you who put this poll up? Oh yeah, Robert, you saw the poll. Do you want to do you want to give us so the any poll, information? The poll question that one of you lunatics posted, which I really don't even understand, is guess who got into the next round of full self-driving beta? And uh, the answer number one is the Earl of Frunk Puppy, Mel in one of his three Teslas, Robert, Tom, aka Richard, which I think <laughs> means someone called me a dick. 
Is oh, that what's no. happening? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell is wrong with you guys? Like, I'm going to take a, I will change the password to Twitter. You guys know that, right? Like, I have the capability of doing that. I will change the password. Why am I, a.k.a. Richard, who posted this first off? Raise your hand. Uh, Joel figures. Yeah. So, the new guy. So, so Richard, uh, the Richard reference is, um, there was one, um, Talking Tesla listener, I think his name mm-hmm. is Tevin, mm-hmm. and he was like, uh, he he said he was complaining about something on the show, and he said, and Richard did this, and I was like, who's Richard? And <laughs> it was guy. it was you, <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, there's so many new people, I don't know who's who. That, that's, that's right. He said so, there's so many new people. Right. So, so one of those. So, Frunk Pumpy is uh, Earl. Earl. Um, he's uh, fairly popular and um, he's got a lot of followers and has been complaining to Elon since the beginning that he, he doesn't have FSD. So I figured I'd, I'd rub that in a little bit. Um, and then these other folks, does anybody know who that is? is are we ready to announce that? The Earl of Frunk Puppy? Who no, is the no. Earl of Frunk Puppy? <laughs> <laughs> what does that even, like, what does that even mean? Uh, Tom, I'll explain it to you later. He just told you it's a yeah. it's a person. Yeah, it's a person. Okay, so the okay, person. so the win the currently leading with two. We had two hundred and eighty votes to this in tweet of insanity, uh, poll of insanity. I will call it, and fifty three percent of respondents have picked the Earl of Frunk Puppy as the person who got into the next round of full self-driving beta. Twenty mm-hmm. percent has chosen Mel in one of his three Teslas. Fifteen percent have chosen Robert, and twelve uh, percent has chosen Tom, aka Richard. Um, <laughs> um, which is which is great. So, according to Talking Tesla Nation, the Earl of Frunk Puppy is the uh, the correct answer. But what is the actual answer, Joel? Tell us, Joel. The actual answer is I. We'll be getting full self-driving. My name was thrown in as a uh, member of the LA Owners Club, Tesla Owners Club uh, on the board of directors. So I haven't yet gotten an email. I'm going to check right now as we're talking. I haven't yet gotten an email from Tesla saying, you know, I have to sign a bunch of paperwork because there's a NDA. You're going to be like an agreement. You're going to be off the show. (laughs) Well, I have to, from what I've been told is that you need to limit uh, so if you have negative comments, you should uh, email them, sort of like what our motto is at uh, Talking Tesla. If you have negative comments, Joel's you should mother. email them. And if you have positive comments, you can go ahead and share it on social media. Some people have taken that to believe that they weren't able to like talk on a, um, a YouTube channel or on a... Um, on a podcast, but obviously that that is happening. And you know what's so, the worst they could do? So is take wait, it hold on a second. I, I I hate to interrupt you. So Tesla is making you sign half a non-disclosure agreement, basically. <laughs> like you can disclose good news, but not bad news. What the hell? So the is reality that all is, about? is a l- I did speak to um, a couple people that. That I, um, one of them was Kim, um, that we had the interview with, 
but a, a couple other folks too that had FSD beta. There's plenty of people that are posting on YouTube everything, including positive and negative. So I, I just think they don't want you to be overly negative is sort of what they're they're asking. But Kim has been on plenty of interviews. She's posted tons of stuff. Your uh, other folks you know, Robert, have been posting. Um, yes. Tesla of Silicon Valley has posted a, a, a ton of stuff. And there's one guy that actually I wanted to interview too. His name is Brandon. Um, and he posts negative and positive things. So this is huge. I mean, this is like you're one of, we think, 25, 30 people. Well, if they've opened yeah. it up to well, the but- Tesla Owners Club leadership, that's probably an additional 100 people, something like that. Mm. But actually, it would be less than that because it's only in the United States. So all the folks in right. Europe and Australia aren't on that, or China, Japan, they're not part of that group. So, so yeah, they're not looking at driving record at all then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They apparently weren't like, whose car's been totally demolished a couple of times? Um, For example, but, behind me, I, I'm pointing at part of Robert's car, right? Yeah, slight, on the wall of the studio there right it is, there. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And so is this, is this currently been turned on for you, Robert? No, I have. Like I said, I haven't gotten the. Uh, I'm looking here now. I've signed something. Have you had your hardware updated? Yeah. No. I'm. I'm currently at um, forty point eight dot thirteen, but it's forty four dot ten is the uh, latest of the full self driving beta. So I'm not. But there. he had a new car already, though. So he has the hardware. Yeah, I've got you all the, up, right? the bells and whistles. Oh, you have the hardware. You have the hardware capability, so you don't need an upgrade in your in your hardware. That's right. Whatsoever. And just recently, there was a guy who emailed or tweeted to Elon, just I think it was today or yesterday, that he had a full self-driving, uh, completed, you know, fully loaded Tesla that got totaled three weeks after he bought it, and he wants yeah. to be able to transfer. The full self-driving, which for him I think was seven or eight thousand dollars, to another car, and that tweet, to my knowledge, has not been uh, responded to. But mm. I'm waiting for them to open that up because I'm sitting here with an email from Tesla regarding my totaled 2018 Model S. Do am I ready to come in for a new computer? And I'm thinking of you, Tom. <laughs> well, I mean, I think. So I've been reading a lot of these comments online about this this situation and what I think their take I mean I, I in a totaled car I agree there should be in a totaled car your insurance company honestly should actually cover the cost of replacing the full self driving so I what if me, you're that's with, pretty cut in What if you're with Tesla insurance? <laughs> yeah again they should yeah. they, they should cut they it's should part cover of the it. value of the car Right. It would be like anything. If you went, if you went, if your car got totaled and you had put $10,000 worth of stereo equipment right. into it and you had receipts for that, your insurance company would, would reimburse you for what, some of that. So it kind of falls under that. And the other comments that I've been seeing a lot, which also sort of make a lot of sense to me, is theoretically, if you buy a car with full self-driving, it has a higher resale value. Right? So you're getting some additional money out of that full self-driving that you could then transfer to the next vehicle. Now, I don't know. It, it still feels a little weird because the the other side of that is it's probably quite a bit of work for Tesla to sort of 
turn off full self-driving in one car and put it on the other. Although I hear that's also something that is happening is that the, if you, if you, if you sell your car, they can actually turn full self-driving off and charge the next driver for full self-driving again. And I don't know how, if that's happening or not happening because when you, at least in the past, and I haven't looked in a while on Tesla's website for used vehicles, they say like full self-driving enabled, not, not enabled. And I don't know, you know, they don't say like, oh, it used to have full self-driving, but we turned it off. But there is the potential for Tesla if you like say, leased a car, bought full self-driving, returned that leased car to Tesla, they could then charge the next person for another full self-driving and kind of double down on that situation. Now, I don't know that they're doing that. I'm not saying that they're doing it, but that that's the sort of chatter that's going on on the web about like this sort of thing. Yes, Robert. But that would be a problem because if I bought your car, and you had already mm-hmm. bought full self-driving, and I'm going to pay you for your car an additional mm-hmm. value for that mm-hmm. full self-driving. And then Tesla turns around and pay, charges me. That's like a double jeopardy. Yeah, I don't think in that case it would happen, like if it was being sold private party to private party. But what I'm saying is like theoretically, if you turn that car into Tesla, if, if I were to sell my car back to Tesla and they were to resell it to you, they're... they're there was some chatter, and again, I don't know if this is backed up by any actual information, that Tesla was like turning off full self-driving and then charging the next driver for it, which is weird. Like, So that in that case, it's not attached to either a car or to a driver, which is what people are want it to be. They want it to be charged to the owner. But in that particular instance, for Tesla, and maybe this doesn't make long-term financial sense, like Mel could have bought full self-driving once which he's bought full self-driving many, many times and transferred that <laughs> basically in perpetuity. So in 25 years on Mel's 25th Tesla, he could then get full self-driving, you know, just to keep going. And maybe that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really wishy-washy about this whole full self-driving thing. I understand. But yes, Robert or Joel, I'm sorry. It was so um, where the history of this, some of this angst came from was a story where someone sold or bought a uh, a car that did have felt full self-driving and Tesla took it away but later like a few days later Tesla gave it back and they Tesla basically said there was just something there's some weird information and that's why it, this happened but the user should have gotten it I haven't heard any other stories where someone sold a car with FSD that hasn't gotten it um okay. so my feeling is is that if I can sell my car to someone else and get more money for FSD and it stays there, then then I need to go and buy FSD again. Um, I agree. But, it's got to be with the car. Right? So if that's the case, okay. But if Tesla decides, uh, no, it's really with it's – if they do something where they take it away, then I think they need to give me the FSD and keep me around. Right, so. but then in the situation that like Mel finds himself in quite often, right? It's sort of like if it stays with the car, but it's a lease, and and it never and it never works, right? Like, and it's never full self driving for one day. Like, you never get the product that you paid for. Then I could see 
them saying like, okay, let's just transfer it to the next car, to the next car, to the next car. Right. But uh, you know, a, a, but we read it. We we were voxing over the over the week where where Elon had put out some information that he's got like two hundred software engineers. Uh, and another 800 people working on the full self-driving. So they're investing a lot of money in this. Oh, yeah. So, again, I, I'm, I'm a little bit on the on the fence as to whether or not they should continue to – I don't think they should continue to raise the price for something that isn't working yet. Like, once it's working, you know, have at it, do whatever you want. But if you've paid for something and never actually gotten that, to me, there there's some wiggle room in, there. Yeah, I think with there's two situations. There's leasing – and there's buying. So leasing, they have to come up with some way for you to pay an extra amount per month so that when the lease ends, you get back. But like, so if I have my Model Y and I bought it with full self-driving and I paid an extra however many, it changes every five minutes. Let's say I spent an extra $5,000 on it, but I want to sell it in two years because I know there's a Y coming that is going to have significantly more range. They're going to stop people. They will disincentivize people to buying full self-driving if that doesn't become a part of the value of the car. So if I want to sell it to Joel, like Joel, I've got this beautiful Y and it's got full self-driving and then Tesla says, no, you don't. Uh, Joel can't get that. He has to buy it again. And it's going to be 12 grand by the time I sell it to Joel. Um, it really, so, so I spent this extra money and I don't get the value from it. So I put in the five or $10,000, but I know I'm not going to get that back. I'm going to be unlikely to buy that again if I'm the kind of person that's going to sell a car every couple of years. So this, uh, if there is a precedent, there is that for, self, for unlimited supercharging. So some of us who've been around with Tesla for a while know that if you bought a car, and I believe this was like, this ended at the end of January 2017. End of yes. January 2017 were the last cars that they uh, openly sold with unlimited supercharging. They did do a couple of episodes after that where they said, if you buy a car now before the end of this quarter, whatever, we'll give you unlimited supercharging or you could get it through a couple of promotions like that. But that was the end of the, the standard unlimited supercharging for Tesla. Those cars retain the unlimited supercharging. So if you went on the Tesla website to buy cars, they had a little icon that indicated unlimited supercharging. I don't know. What um, I, I have a feeling now that they're backing out on that, not that it could possibly involve any significant amount of money, that if somebody with a car that had unlimited supercharging sold it now, they would, uh, I'm not sure how solid Tesla is on maintaining that unlimited supercharging. I mean, they were still, I, again, I haven't looked on the use site in a while and I can oh, yeah. take a peek in there and, and kind of see, but that was definitely the last time they were still selling used Teslas, pre-owned Teslas, let's call them, on their on their website. Um, and they were still having uh, supercharging attached to them. But let's take a peek and see if there's any uh, any information that I can find while you gentlemen fill time with all of your genius so, conversations. So there's one question I have for you guys is, do you think there'll be a time when Tesla stops selling FSD to people and maybe they still sell cars, but they stop selling FSD and they retain the car FSD cars for themselves and make that money for themselves? Well, we've talked about this a lot um, in the past. It makes no sense to me, zero sense to me 
if FSD really works for Tesla to ever sell a car to you or me ever again. If truly FSD turns a Model 3 into a $300,000, $500,000 money-generating machine, why would they ever sell one? That makes no sense. Or they're going to have to sell them for uh, $300,000. And you right, turn we, it into a taxi and try and make $400,000 out of it over the life of it. At some point, if this actually works, they have to stop selling cars. But we've gotten, we've actually had people call us about this or, or send us messages about this where we're talked about. There's still times where people want their own car. Like if you have your golf clubs and you want to leave them in, in the car for a little while or, or whatever. Like there's some use case situations that, you know, I, I just don't know if if that is going to come to as much fruition as we think it is. I mean, maybe eventually it is, but I still feel like people just want to own their cars. But let's, uh, so I'm on the Tesla used inventory website. There's a 2016 Model S was the first one that kind of came up. It's located in Santa Barbara. It's only got 30,000 miles. It's a 75 and it does not have, there is no notification of unlimited supercharging. And in fact, it has a 30-day premium connectivity trial. So if you buy this 2016 Man. car that my guess is was wow. sold with premium connectivity attached to it, oh, yeah. you now have to pay for premium connectivity wow. on a monthly basis for a, for a used vehicle. Well, And, and I think that's, that's actually pretty interesting. So Tesla has definitely kind of flipped its, uh, its, its, its selling model um, – there's one. Uh, there's a listing for a 2017 Model S, a 75, and you know, forty three thousand dollars. So a pretty good price for a, a car with thirty eight thousand miles on it. And I would say wow, a, a Tesla good. with thirty eight thousand miles on it is a pretty new. Uh, is that Model S? Vehicle. Model. These are all yeah, all Model S's that I'm looking at right now. So none of them appear <laughs> to be coming with uh, with uh, full cell with a. Uh, with supercharging for life, but I don't know. Let's go back. I'm going to go back to see if like, Can I just there's no 24. Mel, Mel has a question. Shh. Sure. Well, I just want to, I just think we blew over that to talk about something that's way less important. And again, it's what Joel said. What Joel said is fundamentally like life changing, earth shattering. It makes no sense for Tesla to sell you a car if full self-driving actually works. And I don't think we, there's, the media hasn't dealt with this, and Elon hasn't talked about this. This is a fundamental transitional thing that people aren't talking about because they don't get it. If Tesla really has sold full self-driving or will soon, you will not be able to buy a Tesla. You'll okay. be able to buy a Leaf. You'll be able to buy something else that doesn't have that. But there is no financial incentive for them to ever sell a car again until they've flooded the market, which will be never. So, so in that in that model that you're talking about, right? That means theoretically, if they're done with full self driving, you won't be able to buy a Cybertruck, right? That's just not happening, right? We know right. that's not happening. So the real question is: Does then do we believe in some ways because they're taking orders that Tesla doesn't think FSD is going to work to the point where they can have? They're never going to get to level five. Like they're going to get I, to level four advanced, and that's it. I th I think it actually does exactly that. It's showing that they don't believe that with the technology they have right now, they can actually do what Elon has been saying. Well, that I think there's, there's multiple. There's going to have to be a new chipset. There's going to have to be something else because if they believed it, you would not be able to buy a car a year or two from now. It would not be worth it. And 
they may not. Um, it, I think they just are straddling the, you know, straddling the fence a bit. So you continue down this road of, of okay, we're going to sell these cars, and here's the next, you know, we're going to have a $25,000 car, and we're going to do this. There's going to be plenty of markets where they're not going to be allowed to, to do that. Europe is going to be, let's say they have it today, I bet Europe won't go for it for five years. They'd want, uh, it, it. I mean, they're, they're not even allowing certain degrees of turning for autopilot right now. So there's and, going to be markets where they're going to have to sell. And, and then secondly, yeah, go ahead. And where are you going to see robo-taxis? You're going to see it in Los Angeles, in New York, yeah. in Chicago, in Cities. large areas yep. where people are willing and have a interest in that, where Uber penetration and Lyft penetration is very high. But you're not going to see that, like, even in far... Uh, uh, suburban areas or in rural areas. So if you live in, I don't know, some like Leventon, uh, Kansas, and you want a car and you want a Tesla, well, there, there is no Uber taxi for you out there. So, you know, how are you going to thread that needle is the question. So I understand we're living in the intertestament period. Um, but again, if they are constrained in the ability to create cars, why would they sell a car to somebody for $50,000 in a rural area when they could have a robo version of that car in London and Australia and Sydney and for $300,000? It would make no sense for them to sell it. Like, let Nissan, who can't actually have their cars drive by themselves, sell them to those people. Right. If the value of the car is as big and they can sell it to every person in the city, most people live in the cities, they will stop selling Teslas. Again, sure. I go back to what Joel said. If this is true then um, they're going to stop selling cars. So what we, if this logic is right, and of course it is because it's mine, it's what you said, that they're not quite there yet. That we're living in this place where, dang, it's right there, but it's really not a year away. It's nearly not two years away. We're in this part where it's kind of there, but not really for a couple of years. But so the question is, if you're on the fence, do you put a reservation on a cyber truck now because you think they're not going to sell them, right? Or or cuz will they put the Cybertruck on the robo fleet as well? Like that car, it doesn't make sense for it to be a robo taxi, right? It doesn't make sense in a lot of ways for that. The other aspect of it is in a world where you have 10, I mean there's 3 what is it? 300 million cars in America, like some huge amount of cars. Where are all of these robo cars going to be charged, right? Like they like are they going to build an infrastructure where these cars go to a central depot and a person is plugging them in or the snake, you know, the robot snake charger miraculously starts to work at some point because they they don't talk about that thing anymore either, right? So you would think all of that stuff would be happening in concert with one another and going. So the question I guess to you gentlemen is if you believe that that eventually Tesla is going to stop selling you a vehicle and you really want a cyber truck, if you're listening to this show, do you, which I'm going to go one at a time. I'm going to start with you, Joel. Do you recommend to our listeners to put a deposit down on a cyber truck today? Because at some like, because if if Tesla finishes FSD in the next six months, they're not going to sell you one if you don't already have a deposit. I'd put a hundred dollars down. I'd put a hundred dollars down on a Y or a or a or a cyber truck or or whatever I wanted. It's still going to take a, a bit of time, for one. 
and I think there's going to be markets where it's gonna it's gonna be a, a slog it out kind of thing. Um, okay. And but but yeah, I I do think for them, you know, if they can make three hundred thousand dollars for a vehicle instead of what five thousand maybe from a vehicle, mm-hmm. Mel's right. Why wouldn't you do that? But I think they're gonna they're gonna I think they're gonna straddle the fence and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna do it either way. Maybe maybe you can't buy FSD, um, and they're gonna flood the markets where they can with uh, their FSD with Tesla owned FSD cars. And again, even though I don't like it because I I want to make sure I have one or two, is I think that's what th- it's gonna happen. It's just when it's gonna happen. Will they? So let me ask you this. Uh, so, Mel, uh, same question to you. Do you recommend that our listeners put a deposit on a Tesla with full self-driving now? Guess what? It doesn't matter. Because if you're a Tesla, you'll take uh-huh. the $100 deposit it, and if you've cracked it and uh, the neural network makes it go from you know okay to great, they'll go, oh, sorry, here's your money back. We screwed up. Exactly. Now, let okay. me go make $300,000 out of your vehicle. So that putting the deposit down will mean absolutely squat to them. Robert? I think they're just going to address the market through the price of full self-driving. So we've already seen them increase autopilot. I think it started out at a couple of thousand dollars. Then they added the full self-driving upgrade, which it wasn't really called full self-driving, but it's gone steadily up. Now we're at 10 grand in a, yeah, for the, the, the full ride, if you will. That could go to 20 or 50 or $100,000. So if you are interested in turning a Model X or Y, or three, I should say, three or Y, into a money-making taxi, uh, you might pay $100,000 for that full self-driving technology. I mean, what would um, the, uh, what was it called? Auto, O-T-T-O. There was a company that was created, I think it was swallowed up by Google and Waymo that was putting full self-driving rigs onto the semi-tractor trailers. And this thing would be able, it was in a short order, was able to drive those things completely autonomously on highways. O-T-T-O, auto, if that's what you're going to look up, Joel. Anyway, um, that was like, I think it was a twenty dollars or $30,000 add-on. So it's all a matter of how much you're willing to pay for full self-driving. And... I think that that's how they would probably address it. I don't think they would be like eminent domaining your your deposits away from you. So do you think so? But if you make a deposit right now for a Cybertruck and basically they're charging, they're locking you into the price because it says selecting full self-driving today will secure your price as it increases in the future. Now, I'll turn this around a little bit on you guys. Do you think Tesla... If they won't sell you a car with full self-driving because they can make a ton of money on a car with full self-driving, will they just sell cars without full self-driving? Melvis? So, um, first of all, we should read the uh, legal agreement. I guarantee you that there is a line in there that's saying uh, Tesla can uh, give you your money back pretty much for any reason we effing want. Because, again, 
It makes no sense, zero sense for Tesla to sell you a car without full self-driving for $50,000 when they can go and take that thing out there and make $300,000 profit out of it. This just makes no sense. The only way you're getting a car in the next few years is because they haven't gotten it right or because of legislation reasons, uh, reasons that they can't sort of push them out there yet. So there is a I can't see any way around this. There's just a small period of time. Either they're lying and they're not going to get close to the technology um, or people just haven't been smart enough to work this out. So if you want to have a Tesla a few years from now and you want to make sure that you don't have to pay $100,000 for full self-driving in a few years, you better buy it soon. This is like the medallions in the taxi cabs in New York. Why do those things cost so much? Because that car can generate hundreds of thousands of dollars over a number of years. It's exactly the same with Tesla. It'll be like buying a medallion. That medallion is going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. So you want to buy one soon. So at the, uh, I just opened the Cybertruck pre-order agreement, and I'm assuming it's the same for all Teslas. And the last line of pre-order process cancellation uh, changes section, which is uh, looks like paragraph main paragraph three of this thing, the last line says, this pre-order payment and this agreement are not made or entered to into anticipation of or pending any conditional sale contract. So it's basically like... Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for your hundred dollars. It means diddly squat. Right. So, guys, I'm I'm looking on the um, on the YouTube uh, uh, channel, and we had a few people um, sending us messages, including Mark from RPM Tesla and um, Elon's brain, and a number of other folks uh, saying hello. So, um, next time we'll have to we'll have to say hello to folks. Thanks, yes. Joel. I just love talking about this one thing. I could talk about it all night because it's, to me, the most fascinating part of Tesla right now. So it's it doesn't this, matter. So you're saying, like, get a pre-order, don't get a pre-order. They may not. But does, eventually, Tesla's not, Tesla's not selling us cars eventually if, eventually. if they crack FSD to a level five. Yes, and that's why uh, what Joel and Robert are saying is so interesting. Is like, we're, but we're in this weird place that it's not quite there yet so what's happening and and how does that work so they still want to be selling as many cars as they can but at some point and i'm thinking like when the neural network goes knocks on elon's door is this thing on elon uh we cracked it he'll be like okay shut down sales right now it'll be like off switch all got all done stop selling to the humans so there's one last there's only one other thing it, it, it so if it's pure profit I completely agree. It just makes the most sense to do what you said. If it's actually they still believe that they can accelerate sustainable transportation by se selling cars, uh, then they'll balance the selling. And maybe it's selling you a car without FSD or hopefully, which is what I'd like, is let me use FSD just for my family. And, you know, that's about it. But, you know, it... I think they've done a good job of, I believe that the, the company's mission is not a fake mission. I believe they believe it. And um, so if they believe that they still need to manufacture based and sell cars to people to sort of continue things going until everybody buys into the FSD future um, and RoboTaxi future, then I think they'll do that. Uh, let me add one point is 
when I was listening to that two-hour uh, video with um, J.B. Straubel, Selena, and uh, the guy from BA BASF, the one thing that I didn't mention that I wish I had mentioned the last time, the, the most striking thing was um, how BASF was focused purely on profit. And when they did talk about sustainability, it was the throwaway line. It was just sort of like, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to be as efficient as possible, get the cost down as much as possible so you can sell these batteries. And then he'd throw in a, an occasional for sustainability sake or things like that. Whereas Selena and JB, you could tell that they believed in the mission and they were, they talked just like Tesla talks in terms of sustainability and the future of, uh, you know, the future of the planet, yada, yada. So I do believe that they believe it. Don't yada, yada. No, the well, planet. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> yeah. Great, great. Um, yeah, I yada yada the best part. Um, so I, I think it's I I I think we'll get the right answer. I'm hoping that I still because I do like to own a, I'd like to own a car still. I think so. I'm hoping that it still is that they sell um, if they see it's worth it. You may let your you may have to let your brother-in-law in in the middle of Kansas buy it for you though. Yeah, might be the case. I was thinking though, Joel, like if. Again, if uh, looking at the economics of this, uh, I'm not an economics major. If they can make these cars so profitable by putting them on the network, Joel, they can like it's more profitable for them to make like a three or four twenty five thousand electric vehicles and give them away, and then uh, put other cars on the, uh, the the Tesla network. I mean, this is just how ridiculous the the economics are of a fully self driving robo cab um, give away cars to people who cannot afford them if they live in poor areas but just let us kill this thing in terms of selling it to the people who have money so if you want to do full sustainability yes just like make a ridiculous amount of profit and give it away in various forms in solar panels and cars to other people it's just a i don't know how many trillion dollar market there is if it is true that they can do this if they right, can do it before anybody else it's unbelievable how big this is. Yeah, but don't you believe that like we just we're so we're such a habitual people and like people just keep so much crap with them in their vehicles, right? There's so much stuff that people keep in their vehicles. How do you address like the addressing is in the amount of money it's going to cost to buy the damn car. It's over. There'll be a a phase change in how you think about transportation. I'm this. I'm like you, Tom. I got the bicycle. I got the golf clubs. I got the surfboard. I've got cookies from three years ago. It, it's. I got everything in that car. But when any car can come and get me, I'll have to change the way that thing is. I'm never going to buy a Cybertruck. But if a Cybertruck is going to take me, go up into the Sierras with you. Good times, and that's going to be bring me back. And then that's the one time I need it that year. Can Thank I, you. Can I read We're a letter uh, that's related to this? From uh, sh from Sean M. Uh, message. Hello, Talking <laughs> Tesla. I love the show. Long time listener. You know, he's just buttering us up there. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to bring up a quick note on how I think everyone is being overly optimistic about the demand for robotaxi. Uh, goes against many trips where people need uh, and want their personal vehicle. A lot of it is how uh, much stuff people have, as you guys have talked about. 
and don't want to walk around with it um, when the robo taxi drops them off. Car seats, what are parents going to do? Shopping bags, vacation luggage, snowboards, jackets, golf clubs. He puts in sunglasses. I mean, okay, sure. Yeah, I could carry those those (laughs) for sure, right? You know, I would get a robot taxi, but I just have no place to put my sunglasses. A robotaxi world would act just like a taxi. Uh, when it drops you off, you take everything with you. That just doesn't seem to fit most people's conduct. But I think we think that in some cases, um, I think it's, you know, ultimately it's going to be the economic invisible hand sort of thing. You know, maybe maybe people won't have three cars. Um, maybe they'll just have one car or maybe they'll have two cars and some people won't have any and they'll figure a way to to carry some of that stuff. But I know how many times I go to a restaurant when I just want to get into the restaurant and not look around for 20 minutes in Boston looking for a place to park. That's like, that's where it really comes into play. I'm going to pick Mel. So I think it shows a a little, we need to be more imaginative because the car is moving you around, but I don't need the car anymore. So there'll be this little electric box and I'll just throw my crap in the box. And the box is going to just take off and go park itself. And I'll do my thing for the day. And then when I need to get back in the car again, that little electric box thing will then uh, just attach itself to the car when I go home. And then I'll detach it and uh, I'll take the stuff out again. It doesn't have to be the car. There'll be parts of the car where you put all your crap. It'll just detach itself and go off. So it doesn't have to be linked to you. But then when you want your car, you've finished your restaurant thing, or then the little electric box will attach itself to the Model 3 and then you'll drive home. So your crap can go with you, but in a different way. You're on your second okay. gear. That's cool. Like so, now Mel has created some sort of autonomous metal box to hold your umbrella. Like, like that's a perfect example. An umbrella, a jacket, all kinds so of exactly. heavy to carry. Have you seen the ads for FedEx? Have you seen the FedEx ads and stuff where they're like these little robots are flying around bringing you your medicine, bringing you your stuff? That's what we're talking about with full autonomy. You can have a little thing, a big thing. Um, it changes everything um and in terms yeah it's everything whether it's like i just want to throw my handbag in something and it'll follow me later or i want to throw my children into something and it'll follow me later well i would personally like to thank you mel for financing this future because you have paid for full self-driving many many (laughs) so many times (laughs) so thank you and robert you have a comment that you'd like to make about this yeah uh, so it's all about your paradigm and what you believe so yes i agree I go to work and back. I have like two sets of scrubs in my car, work shoes in my car, a bunch of like disinfectant that I can sweat, you know, lather up with after I get done at work. I have my my goggles, my helmet, all this stuff that I use. And yes, if I used a robo taxi, it would be difficult. I'd be like carrying like a very big duffel bag every day to and from work. Could I do that? Yes, I could. So let's look at how much it costs us right now to have our personal chariots, right? You have to pay for the damn thing, right? How much is that? A lease, $600 a month, $1,000 a month, depending on which uh, Tesla you I'm paying you around $750 a month for And then years. you're going to pay another $150 to $250 in insurance. You're going to pay to keep it up, to keep it clean, to put some electricity in it, albeit that's not very much. 
easily you're going to dump a thousand dollars a month. That's twelve grand a year. What if your robo taxi cost you a third of that or less? Would you throw? Would you throw eight thousand dollars away? What would you do with eight thousand? Would you fix yourself, change your paradigm so that, like when I was living in New York a couple of times, there there is no such thing as having a car. I mean, practically speaking, in New York, so. I would be, you know, when I left in the morning, I'm thinking about all the stuff I need until tonight at eight o'clock when I might get home. All the jackets, the sweaters, the whatever supplies that I need to take with myself, and I would carry a backpack. And at times it would be inconvenient. I'd be getting on a subway, and I'm like, oh shoot, where's my umbrella? Where's my jacket? I have to change my paradigm because I don't have. My personal chariot to dump all of this crap into, but honestly, how much of that crap that I've dumped into my personal chariot do I even forget is there in the first place? We'll adapt. We will adapt, and I believe, like Mel does, that the the, the robo taxi will be the future, and we won't even think twice about it. It'll be like, ah,、oh, I needed to get some something at Trader Joe's. Uh, I'm just going to go downstairs, and as I'm going downstairs or walking out to the street, I'm pushing a couple of quick buttons, and boom, the robo taxi is there. I get in, and I go. And if I forgot something, okay, I'll take the robo taxi back. It's not that expensive. It's not like I'm, you know, breaking the bank. Yeah, I agree, I, I agree with you. I think it's the George Jetsons future that we、right. grew up with with kids, and I think we need to start thinking about that way. If This technology really comes to fruition in terms of cars, in terms of drones, in terms of robots that are zooming around the streets.、Um, it changes everything. Changes everything. The 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 way we live changes completely. Rose Row, Rose Row. Remember that? That was his dog. No. Astro.、Oh, yeah. Rose Row, Rose Row. So are we、um, ready to end it here, folks? Should we just talk to Keila for a moment? Should we talk to Keila for just a moment? Let's talk to Keila and then. Oh、end. yeah. All right. Go ahead, Robert. That was another poll that、uh, somebody put out. Did I put that? I think I put that one、mm-hmm. out. Did you guys get some tequila, Tom? Tesla tequila. Did I purchase Tesla tequila? No, I did not. I'm disappointed I didn't purchase Tesla tequila because I would be reselling Tesla tequila if I had purchased Tesla tequila because it's、uh, it's worth a considerable amount of dollars on the、uh, secondary market. Yeah, what's the current、uh, bid price for Tesla tequila? I'm looking. I'm looking.、Thank、I'm、you. looking right now, my friend. Because when I was first looking at it, it first came out. I think it was around two o'clock in the afternoon. That the Tesla tequila for two hundred and fifty dollar offer dropped, and I looked at it, and I was like, "Ah,、oh, finally, there it is, Tesla tequila, a Tesla tequila." And I then started looking very carefully at the who made it and where was it from, and I did like literally quite a bit of research. I don't think I have the paper on which I wrote my research, which is a fail on my part, and I I、uh, own that. But it's from a firm down in Manhattan Beach, which is or Hermosa Beach, here in Los Angeles. So right in our backyard, and、um, it turns out it's two guys who started this tequila company as part of a project 
for their, their college, they were told to market something. And it was in a marketing class. It couldn't be a tech item. So they decided one of them, I think, is from or his family is from Oaxaca, which is or from Jalisco, where the tequilas are primarily made. So they decided to start with the tequila and they called themselves nosotros, which means we in Spanish. And they created a blanco or a clear, a crystal or a silver tequila and a reposado, which is a just a slightly aged tequila, less than a year, and um, sell it for $45 a bottle. But they didn't have a reposado, they didn't have a uh, añejo, which is the longer aged, over a year tequila. Uh, they've since introduced a mezcal. And then it turns out they were, pro I think they were making an añejo tequila. And somehow at some sort of an event in San Francisco, they must have run into some Tesla people. And then Tess, uh, Elon made the, the promise like almost two years ago that he was going to make Tesla Kila. And somehow this all fell together. And I expect that their Añejo, which they had started to make, but takes, like I said, over a year to age, uh, was coming like to fruition. And the, t the Tesla uh, entity, whoever it was, if it was Elon or somebody within Tesla, made a deal with them and probably bought out their whole line of Añejo. And I agree, Tom. When I first saw that, I thought, wow, this would be great. I'm going to buy it. And I scrolled down and I saw $250. That's like, the, that's like more than twice the most expensive agave liqueur I've ever bought. And like some of the best mezcals are like $120 a bottle, $140 maybe. But $250 is ridiculous. And so I thought, no way. And then I was walking across the street and it came to me. I thought, if I don't buy at least one bottle of this stuff, who am I? So that's what I did. I bought one bottle. Most people thought I bought two. I should have bought 20. I agree. Because I saw them selling on eBay empty bottles. Maybe because that's you can't sell liquor on eBay. But they were yeah, selling. There's no, there's no currently full bottles for sale on eBay, and the highest price uh, bottle is, you know, a couple thousand dollars. I'm gonna look and see what the like sold and gotten rid of versions, uh, what those prices yeah. have been selling. I for. I saw like six hundred to like a thousand, and that was a few days ago. But I heard that on the uh, Tesla Divas, somebody was offering a full bottle for like. $40,000. What in the what? Well, I bought, I bought <laughs> two bottles. And I bought two bottles because I'm like, one for the studio, for the LA crew, and one oh, for Joel. That's a good idea. And uh, yeah. And then I saw how much they were selling for. And I thought, one for the studio and one for eBay. <laughs> <laughs> And I can pay for both. Oh yeah, of them. you probably can. So theoretically, I have two, but it does raise a question about what's going to happen because if you truly can get a thousand bucks for a bottle of those, uh, come on. Here's what I will tell you, Mel. Let's sell both. You should sell both of them. Buy one really good bottle of tequila based on one of Robert's recommendations and maybe even a bottle of Mezcal. And we'll just wonder forever how crappy Tesla tequila actually was. Who cares? I would sell. I wouldn't 
I would not crack open bottle one of those things if I was you. Those things would be a goodbye. Yeah, interesting. But how cool would it be to have it in the studio? The glass. To have that in the we got it. We got to have be, it in the studio. It'd be cool. All right. So sell one. Sell, sell one. one. If you could sell Sorry, one, <laughs> you lose. Right. If you could sell one for forty thousand dollars, I mean, yeah. that's I like, could buy a car. You could buy I a could buy, truck. I could send a Model Three to Joel instead of a. That's a fair. That's a fair trade. <laughs> yeah, I think for the price of this show for years, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm going to take you guys you to 200, one, to Talking Tesla 200. If I could, uh, if, if we could sell one of those bottles for $1,000, which I'm sure at this point we could, that would buy like a dozen amazing bottles of tequila or mezcal that we could. It's not, really I guess, what we're failing to understand here, it is not about the tequila. Right. And that's so much of life, right? It is not about the thing itself. It's about the experience. It's about what it means to you. It's about the dopaminergic surge you get from it. And Elon understands that very well. There is no way that the fluid in that bottle is worth $200, $250. Not at all. But it's linked with Elon. It's linked with his thing. So you can charge an enormous amount. And the question is, what's it worth to our studio here to have a bottle of that? It's worth 250 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And what I will say is Agreed. we could drink the tequila in both bottles and still sell both bottles for a thousand dollars. I think you want the bottle though. <laughs> but we want the bottle, not the tequila. We could drink the tequila, uh-huh. fill it with urine, uh-huh. and sell it. Uh-huh. Still make it. That's gross. What if it's a urine? You could buy one it? of their other bottles of tequila instead. And put it in there, but but Joel, have you seen the bottle? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I, you want the bottle? It's you got to keep yeah. one bottle, and you got to sell one bottle for forty thousand dollars. But <laughs> it will. How about this? We could do what we've done to all the other things we've gotten from Tesla. We can sign them and totally <laughs> ruin their resale value. <laughs> <laughs> I got you know. Uh, I've got a Tesla wall charger from a young man named Robert, and it's the signed uh, Elon edition. Nice. This is an example of uh, things that are worth way more than just the dollar value. There is a – I get this feeling of just like joy when I see this black Tesla charger signed by Elon, and I plug it into my car every time now. I'm like, that is pretty effing cool. So, again – this bottle is not worth $250, but having one on our bar is going to be every person that walks into the studio is going to like, damn. And so maybe uh, we sell the second one or maybe we just keep the second one because once the pandemic's over, we're going to force Joel to drive across country and come and do Talking Tesla in person. And we're going to drink the second one as a group. That would be uh, awesome. That's something like- we'll remember forever. The only thing that will be cooler than one talking te- or one Tesla tequila bottle on your shelf would be two, <laughs> <laughs> like, right? <laughs> like on either side, right? Like sort of like bookends, put something cool in between the two of them. Yeah, I like the idea of keeping both of them now because A, let's be honest, you don't need the money. So like, <laughs> whatever. Like that, that ship has, that ship has basically sailed and, and you're right. We will get way more joy on this show and in the studio, if we can ever be within six feet of one another ever again. Um, 
to sit down and then we can talk major shit about how bad that tequila is. Which will be super <laughs> that fun. <was> so cool. <laughs> like this is piss. We paid 500 bucks for two bottles of piss. <laughs> this stuff tastes like crap. Well, you know, interestingly, they're doing something, the Nosotros brand, that is very, very non-traditional, right? In Mexico, Mexico is an extremely traditional country when it comes to sort of like the historical um, foods. I'm not saying people don't experiment. I'm just saying that there's a great deal of respect for tradition. And in Jalisco, if you like grow your tequila or your agave plants on a certain like mountainside and make tequila out of it, you're known for that. But what these guys are doing is going against the green and they're taking tequila plants, the agave, from the height up in the hills and the ones from low down below the hills, and they're mixing, they're blending their tequilas, which is almost unheard of uh, in quality tequilas. And um, there is a brand that I can wholeheartedly recommend called Fonteseca, which uh, they make maybe one of the best Blanco tequilas I've ever had. And it's also a blended tequila, which again, very unusual. So they may be onto something, and it's possible their agave tastes really good. So I'm looking forward to when we do a show. Uh, we're going to have to, like, you're going to have to, Mel, just pour off a little. I'll give you a glass bottle or something. Overnight it to Joel so we can all taste within a short period of time and, and do a little tasting. Well, my biggest problem, actually, uh, I, was, I literally was like, we'll have one, Joel have one, it'll be fun, we'll do a whole drinking thing. But then I'm like... Isn't, isn't there laws about transporting alcohol across state lines and uh, the gumball rally and all that stuff? Like, can you just do that? Can I just send it to somebody or do it's only a like, problem if they get, say you can do it? It's only a it. problem if you get on YouTube and tell <laughs> yes. like everybody on the internet that you can do it. <laughs> okay, that so was my joke. But yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> if as long as you don't have a podcast about it and tell people about it, then I think you're fine. I think Joel, oh. just uh, you're not getting it. So yeah, there are there are certain states you cannot mail uh, alcohol in and out of for sure. Uh, I have mailed alcohol out of one of those states uh, for sure. I won't say which state, and I won't say what alcohol. You bad boy! Uh, but it was delicious and and well worth it. And Ma- and actually, I'll tell you this: Mel and I drank it together at <sighs> one point. Illegal contraband. I don't remember that. So mm-hmm. I should, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want, I won't tell anymore, but it was delicious. Um, is there going to be a supercharger update or are we done? I don't really have a supercharger update for today. All I can say is fireball, fireball, fireball. Fireball 56. But guess what? It's about to get overtaken because they're building a 65 stall supercharger in China, but it's only going to be 120 um, kilowatts, which is weird. Oh, wow. Interesting. Hmm. How oh, far cool. is Fireball f- from you guys? Where is that exactly? Like two and a half. Three hours. Okay. It's sort of right between LA and San Francisco. That was the idea. It's like put it right between the two and be able to like whip people in and out. It's on the five freeway or just off the five freeway, which is one of the main freeways between the two. So, And I think I, it's not clear from Teslarati and the other people that were explaining it that they made it sound like there was a restaurant and uh, you know bathroom sort of complex and all that stuff, but they didn't make it clear whether it was owned by Tesla or that it was just sort of nearby. So 
it feels like or sounded like it was going to be this complex where Tesla had a restaurant and a, a rest area and stuff like they have at Kettleman, although Kettleman doesn't have a restaurant. So does anybody have any clarity on that? Is the restaurant owned by Tesla or is it just nearby? Can we can we call it a Tesla-rant? I think it would be better if we called well, it a could... Tesla-rant. But I don't yeah, have any know. idea if Tesla owned one or if they don't own one. I think Tesla, if they're smart, they could bring back the whole automat, which is sort of like a robotic way to get food. You know, like you just put in your your Tesla, even maybe even your Model 3 card or your key fob right up against it, and that's how they sort of charge you for a sandwich that you pull out of the little automat slot or something fun and and You cool. could order it on the MCU as you drive in. Yeah. But, Tom, you said something earlier I wanted to get back to, which was nobody's been talking about the snaky. Actually, Elon has been, um, and a couple of people have been emailing about the snaky snaky. The snaky snaky isn't going away. I think maybe we're going to start to see some more sort of iterations on the snaky snaky as the uh, this robo taxi thing has got to have autonomous snaky snaky. So, snaky snaky, no dead. Snaky, that would have been cool. Back soon. That would have been cool, like uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, if you could just pull up to a charger, not have to get out of your car, not have to touch the the charger cable, and it would just like plug it in, plug it out, let it pull it out. Like that'd be that'd be pretty baller. Well, I think that uh, what they've worked on, and what I would expect to see, is on the typical supercharger with the U-shaped cutout. I'm expecting to see an insert that they place there that will automatically come out of the U and just find its way right to your charging port. And I think they probably have already designed that. And they're, they're, it's probably something like a, you know, a six-minute retrofit. It does feel like that, that could happen. It'd have to have some kind of camera and AI on it, right? Because I'm assuming there's not some sort of location sensor built into the current charge ports that are on our vehicle. So it would actually have to see it, be able to open the port all, all, and, and dock with it, correct? Yeah. That or LiDAR. If they solve right. FSD, that's kind of easy at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If, yeah. if they, if they could do Neuralink and attach to your you know, axons in your brain, sticking a thing into your car, that's no problem. All right, let's end this thing. We've been going a while. It's been good. Uh, the show is Talking Tesla. It's a series of shows. It's a network of shows. Joel has even been, Joel has been uh, threatening I say, I dare say, threatening to do a daily show again. He's been threatening to do it. So we'll see what happens with that, whether those threats are real. But I'm up for helping him if he wants to do it. I'm just saying I'm up for helping if those threats are real. Are they real, Joel? Mm, we'll have to see. Ooh, look at that. Mm, teaser. Okay. Anything else, gentlemen? It's been great. It's been fun. It's been cool. It's been huge. Our uh, humanoid colleagues are now flying past us at approximately 26,000 kilometers an hour as they head towards the space station. And as soon as they get there, they're going to be like, oh, my God, I have got to take a whiz. Could you open up the hatch? <laughs> or it smells in here. Can you please open up the hatch? <laughs> oh. Then it just goes into the rest of the station. Upsetting. I'm glad I'm not in that dragon with you, Herbert. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Oh, my gosh. It would be absolutely filthy. And let's just summarize the stupidest thing we heard on this podcast with somebody 
I don't want to name him, Joel, that said he would be watching all of the Alien movies on the way to the spaceship. Uh, terrible It just idea. seems like a terrible, terrible idea. Terrible idea. Just the worst possible <laughs> scenario in this situation. All right. Well, we'll see you guys back here in about 26 hours for the docking. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not going to happen. It's, it's going to be great. All right. Have a nice evening, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to our lunacy. Uh, we're sorry that Joel couldn't find enough content to even fill two hours on his little yes. screen behind sorry. him. It's all boring, black, reflective right. crapola. Yep. Nice Next try, time. Joel. Nice try. Oh. Yep. See you Next later. time on the Bye show, guys. Sigourney Weaver. Talk to Take you soon. Care.